Hello and welcome to the Fingal Business Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Local Enterprise Office Fingal, one of 31 local enterprise offices around the country. Local Enterprise Office Fingal helps local business through a wide range of practical initiatives and programs. The Leo is your first stop shop for business supports. So whether you're just starting out or an established business, Local Enterprise Office Fingal is here to help. The aim of the Fingal Business Podcast is to share quality information for small business owner managers to enable you to be more effective in running a successful enterprise. My name is Sharon Rossignuolo, and in this series, I'll be chatting to prominent business owners in Fingal as they share their experience and advice on running a successful business. In this episode, I am thrilled to be joined by Ian Hunter, who is the director of Pavilions Shopping Centre. Ian has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to retail, so I hope you enjoy what is essentially a masterclass on retail and business success. So Ian Hunter, you are very welcome to the Fingo Business Podcast. Hi there. Nice to meet you, Sean. I'm glad to be here. Great. Well, look, an expert in retail, no doubt. So I'm really looking forward to this chat about the world of retail in general. I mean, look, the last few months have been really, really tough, but now we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. So after this roller coaster few months, retail has now fully reopened. What is the mood like amongst consumers that you've seen walking through the doors? Yeah, last week was a great week again. There was almost a sense of silent euphoria around. You could see people's demeanour, albeit that, you know, at the moment it's guessing people's demeanour through their eyes, but you could certainly see there was good humour around the place. Obviously, the challenges with all the restrictions that are still in place with social distancing and face coverings, etc., they're all still there. But, uh, you know, I think People have adapted to that. They've taken on board that they've got to still do it. I'd say 98%, 99% of our customers adhere to that. But I think it was just, you know, last week, it was just, there was almost a sense of relief that maybe this is the last time. I certainly hope it's the last time. And, you know, while there was queues, there was nobody really giving out about the queues. So I think it was that silent euphoria about being able to shop in bricks and mortar properly again and you know having that sense of a restricted freedom I would say but good humoured definitely good humoured. Yeah absolutely I went out for the first time there last week and you just felt so much better being able to go out and you're right it's not the same but it's a a return to normality it's lovely to be able to see things there in front of you physical things and just in general the view of everything and the visual of everything that's available all around you and I suppose just to to be with other people is also nice too so I suppose moving forward from a retail perspective heading into the next few weeks and months what should retailers focus on to attract customers back to their stores and perhaps more importantly retain the loyalty of those customers I think it's very simple. It's service. My career is 32 years in retail and it's it's getting close to being 50-50 either side of the shutter as I look at it. I, I did run a Marks & Spencer store and was with Marks & Spencer for 18 years. And I think that the, the key bit for me that can be easily forgotten is service. Yeah, it's great and the stores are busy, but people remember their experience in the store. And, and I think that's it. You know, the stores can look fantastic, but if the service is shocking, 
they will not retain that loyalty. And people talk. And, you know, there's no rocket science. It's very, very simple. And I think retailers need to focus on the simple aspects of the job and listen. That's yeah. the other key thing. We don't know it all. I've been running the centre here for 14 years. I don't even envisage that I know half of what I need to know running a centre. But I think it's important that we listen to what our customers are saying because they're the ones that are giving you advice for free. They're not charging you for it. Um, if you don't listen, it'll cost you because they'll walk and they'll be in another centre or another retail unit. So you really have to listen and take on board and adapt. And I think that's the other thing. Well, you know, the restrictions over the last 12 months have probably created a lot of change within our business, both with retailers and as a centre. I think that adaptation that we've gone through and trying to deliver what the customer really wants, and it is down to pure service. And if they've got the product, the product will sell itself, but it's it's the overall packaging. Yes, absolutely. And I suppose, you know, in the last year, consumer behaviour has changed. Of course, more people have had to go online, whether they've liked it or not. So the competition has opened wide, but you're so right. It's a unique opportunity for retail stores to bring that element of service and personalization. Listen to your customers. It's for free. They're not charging you. How many businesses go out and pay thousands for consultants to tell them what their customers would tell them for free? It's the old adage of the customer is king. But I think at times we think we know better than they do. And while we might not necessarily like what they say or the context that they say it in, if we actually just take the bite-sized chunks from what they say, there is some truth in what they're saying. They're not saying it to waste their own breath. They're mm -hmm. saying it frustrated them. And I think that's the important bit. And, you know, we can all be having a bad day and you're just the final straw that broke the camel's back. But, you know, and you might get it 100% when actually there's nothing you're really doing wrong. But there's probably still something that's just frustrated the customer that just that little bit. And whether it's two people in a till chatting away and not disengaging to serve you, you know, no interaction at the till point. Yeah, I'm giving my hard end money over to it. You know, not opening a store at half nine when it's advertised to be open at half nine and I'm standing outside and it's cold because it's it's a good Irish summer. And, you know, they're the sort of things we really need to be just getting right. And it's it's not, I don't need a textbook. You know, the retailers don't need a textbook to, to learn this. It's the simple stuff that we yeah. just maybe forget about a little bit too often. Yeah, absolutely. It's back to basics, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Now, Ian, I suppose the retailer and the store owner will tell you 100% Ian, God, you're so right. I'm totally on board with that. But then there's the staff. So what are your tips for retailers on building staff morale? After what's, you know, let's be honest, it's been a tough few months for many retail staff. Staff morale, what are your tips around that? Just like uh, the first word to put down here is fun. I mean, we, we have been through a tough 12 months whether we like it or not. And people have had different things happen in their life, both inside work and outside work. People have potentially lost their jobs. People are brand new into the job. You know, some of them may have been out for months and all of a sudden are coming back into what is almost feels a little bit like pre-Christmas trading. Yeah. You know, almost that frenzy within some of the customers. But I think it's keeping it simple, keeping it fun. Um, a couple of other things we say, team huddles. 
And again, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, if, if it's you know, in my time when it was Marks and Spencers, a team huddle could have been, it could have been 40, 50 staff that, because that's how many was in to run the store mm. uh, or more, or it could be two or three of you. So I think it's about sharing the successes. Great day yesterday, really did well and such and such. You know, if there's a new line come in, maybe get one of the staff to try it on and, and be the model. So again, you know, let's get after this. You know, there's there's simple things. And, you know, if you've got a positive customer comment, this is not about spending a fortune. But, you know, Sharn, well done yesterday. Customer came back, was delighted with the service. There's a bunch of flowers. Now, they might have cost a fiver. It's the sentiment in which it's given, which engages the team to say there's, a, there's something coming back to them. Now, we didn't get this quite right. So there's a balance between sharing the successes and what could we have got better yesterday. So we didn't quite, we weren't too fully on top of cues yesterday. You know, the standards, we lost a little bit in the middle of the day. Why do you think it is? And getting them to engage with the ideas to resolve as well, because they suddenly then feel like they work for, say, pavilions as against working for a contractor themselves. And I always want my team to feel like they're working for pavilions, even though I don't directly pay them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we give out good service awards and that can be a bottle of wine. It could be a voucher, whatever it is. And it is about sharing success. The other big thing is about managing expectation. I think we're very good. at We have our own goalposts. That's the bar we need to hit. And we expect a team to hit that. But the team's ability might not be there. They mightn't be sharp enough yet. So it's about dropping your expectation down to above theirs and slowly pulling them with you on the journey that you want to get them where they are. They then own that and they really feel part of it. And rather than getting battered every single day because they're not hitting it, they'll feel like they're actually moving on a path to success as against, oh my God, I'm going in today and da 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 and I know I'm going to get it in the neck for X, Y, and Z. We don't always get everything right, and it's a conversation I have regularly with my team about managing people's expectations, but managing your own expectations of your team to bring them on the journey with you. And I think that's really, really important. Brilliant advice, Ian. I love that about managing expectations. And, and realistically, particularly in retail, you may have staff who, you know, they, they might have just left school or, you know, they're quite early in their career. They have a, a hill to climb as such in order to get to where we are, for example. I mean, we've learned the hard way. We've made the mistakes and come out the other side. So that's really good advice just to a step above them to let them know this is what I expect rather than going zero to 60, they're going zero to 10, zero to 20, zero to 30 and bringing it up that way. And I I guess, you know, end result that it impacts the bottom line, which is important. And going back to what you talked about, that experience piece as well. So speaking of experience, it's a phrase, customer experience. We've heard it bandied around a lot, but what does that mean to you? And if a store or indeed any business wants to tackle that aspect of their business, how should they do it and where should they start? Because it could be, again, feeling like that mountain to climb. Where should they start? Yeah, I suppose to me, customer experience is about the whole package. And the the analogy I always try to make in this one is it's like going on holiday. And if you have, well, sorry, do I remember what a holiday was like? (laughs) (laughs) We'll try. (laughs) But um, it's like going on a holiday. And I always think there will be a reminder in your house somewhere, either a photo or a souvenir that shows what a great holiday that was. 
And I take that back to a retailer and go, if a customer walks in and the overall experience is poor, that customer is going to leave that store with no souvenir. And that souvenir is a purchase. And that's the way that you've got to try and look at it slightly differently. And that's a bit about, I always look at it and say, it's the customer journey. So from the moment I walk up and approach the store to, you know, standards of the windows outside, are the spotlights in the windows on, if they've got mannequins properly dressed, or has the stock been in the window so long that it's actually bleached, to walking into this, you know, the, the, the mat at the front, is it filthy, does the stock look sorted, does it look order, to going through to the fitting rooms if you're going in there, are they clean, is there a staff who doesn't necessarily jump out at you and go, hi there, I'm here if you need me kind of thing, but they might give you an acknowledgement in their own way to going to the till and being looked after and then walking out of the store thinking, you know what, that was so painless. I loved it. The store wasn't too hot, wasn't too cold. Everything seemed to be working. The staff were properly dressed, name badges on if that's you know, the way you operate your unit, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I felt important. And, oh, my God, I've bought a souvenir. And when I'm out, the next time I'm going out, I'll have the new shirt on. Oh, where did you get that? Oh, I went and got that in best menswear and pavilions. And they were just brilliant. Yeah. And what have I just done? I've just given them free marketing. And that's the bit as well. I think it's very simple. And I don't think enough people do that customer journey. They arrive into work to go to work, whereas almost as soon as they open the doors to let customers in, come out of your store and walk in as if you were the customer and go to all the points and touch points in the store because straight away you'll identify what you want to be doing. And if it's not there, you need to do something about it because you know what? You're being followed by a customer and they're going to pick you up on it. But they mightn't say anything, but they'll tell someone. Yeah, exactly. So the free marketing becomes the opposite effect and it's the equivalent of the bad review or or whatever that is and the impact that that has. Brilliant advice, Ian. And I suppose it it leads nicely to the next question in that retail has the unique advantage of being physically present with their customers, which is the main differentiator from when people buy online. So how can they leverage this to ensure they make the most of the opportunity? Because there's real competition out there now. So how can they leverage this opportunity? We've got to take into account that online is one dimensional. And that's the thing. You're sticking a real person who has personality in front of the customer. And the other thing I think that I'd always say is authenticity. And I think this is a bit about, you know, staff being themselves to really sell it. You know, we can all talk about America and, you know, you have a nice day and all that. It can be painful to start listening to that if you've been out and you're going into a number of shops. But I think it's about creating the atmosphere in your store to really sell the customer that experience. It does go back to your previous question, the customer experience and delivering. And if you can't deliver and you have an online presence as well, make sure you still get the sale. Have you got an iPad that you can actually do the sale there and order the stock? Can you get it in from another unit? How quickly can you do it? And it's making sure you're engaging with your customer. Listening to the customer, again, is really key. Advising the customer if you can't do something. And a great finish, which can be, you know, thanks for spending your hard-earned money with me today. Yeah. You know, I really appreciate it. Have a nice day. Whatever comes across, 
extremely genuine. And again, using the customer's name, simple things like that, I think that can give it that they do not get that online. And I think the, the one thing that I would say is that's really important is making sure that if you give them a promise, you deliver. I'll get back to you on Tuesday with that, or I'll get back to you later on this afternoon. Make sure you deliver on that one. Because the customer gets frustrated if you set them up and then don't actually get back in touch with them. Yeah. And it happens with us, you know, with miscommunication between people. And it does it does happen, you know, we're not perfect in any shape or form. But I think that's the one thing you've got to do. You've got to remember that online is a supplementary service to your store. And that's the way you need to look at it. It's not going away. You know, it's been tested to the full in the last 12 months. There's a lot of frustration about doing returns and things like that and the hassle around it. They're your opportunities. You can try it on when we're allowing people to try on stuff and all those other bits. But I think it's just about being listening, engaging, advising, great finish. And if you make a promise, make sure you do it. Yeah, such good advice, Ian. And how many times have we had that where someone says, I'll get back to you, and then they don't? And do you know, when someone actually does it and they do it really well, it's a surprise because so many don't do it well. And then that puts you head and shoulders above the rest and people are more willing to talk about you then and come back to you then. It's making the customer feel important. Yes. And also that they're important to you. Yeah. You know, and that's the other bit that I think, I'm not going to name names or anything, but I've gone to have a look at a couple of cars recently. And I was expecting callbacks and I'm speaking to you now and I haven't had the callbacks. Yeah. And I'm not looking to invest in a shirt at 40, 50 euro if it's a vehicle. A few thousands there. Yeah, exactly. Not important. So therefore, I'll never go near that garage again. And yeah. would, would I be recommending it? No, I wouldn't. So that's how easy it is to get it so wrong. But yes, I've got an online presence and that's where I spotted the car. Mm-hmm. That was great. Went to test drive it and it it died on its feet thereafter. Yep. So online is not the be-all and end-all. And I think bricks and mortar certainly have a massive part to play. And when you look at the likes of Google opening stores and Amazon open stores, they know it as well. Obviously, slightly different models. But I think, you know, those small retailers, getting people in and treating them like they are important to you because they actually are. They yes. don't come in, you don't have any business. And I don't care whether you've got online or offline, it's still going to have that impact because what they expect to then see online will be a replication of what they got when they walked into the store. Poor service, probably get that on online as well. Exactly. And why would they take the time to bother going to the store? They can just buy it elsewhere online. If they're not getting personality in the store, then there's nothing to come back for as such. Great advice, Ian. And I think it's just so important to come back to those basics and remember those because in the stress that has been over the past few months, it's easy to forget that. So it is good to discuss it and come back to basics. Now, I want to turn to your role as Centre Director at the Pavilion's Huge responsibility. And no doubt in the past few months in particular, you've had to draw on every skill imaginable to get through it. So how would you describe your style of leadership and how do you get things done? I suppose uh, that's, maybe that's one for my team to answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I, I think I've probably covered a number of aspects of how I look to run the centre. I see it as The centre is a big department store. I have 100 different departments in it. 
i.e., you know, lifestyle sports, you know, River Island, Zara, to name a few. I have a relationship with every manager in the centre so that I get to understand that. Because I use empathy because I was a store manager myself, so I know the pressures that the teams are put under in terms of hitting sales targets and staffing constraints and delivery levels. So I have an appreciation. And I suppose it's for me, it's a lot of listening. It's giving maybe advice from my own experience, yeah. but also then giving a helping hand when I've got space that I can do it just to get them out of a pinch with too much stock or whatever else. But it's also about, you know, you need to get your windows sorted because your lights are not working. And, you know, you were 10 minutes late and open this morning or you didn't trade the hours that the centre are trading at the moment. So it's getting the balance between good, being good cop, bad cop with them mm-hmm. and also covering that and getting the team to be the same because my team are not from a retail background. They've got different skills to do the roles that they play and it's getting them to appreciate the pressures that the retailers are under yeah. while they deliver their roles. And I think, again, it's managing it's managing my expectations and that's me personally. And I think it is about, I, I do an awful lot of work of trying to get them to come up with the answers that I want them to come up with by just, you know, probing and asking the right questions, challenging at the right times so that they own the solution, therefore more likely to go and deliver that solution and therefore own it going forward. And slowly that bar, as we talked about earlier, is being raised. So again, there'll be bits I focus on more just purely because their experience might be a little bit light in that area till I feel like I can step back. But it's not about hand-holding or anything like that. They're managers. They've been taken on because they've got that experience. But I think the other thing is, it's making sure that the team feel that they're one team. This is not about the guys who do waste recycling, do the cleaning, manage the car park, manage security, and my team. We're one team, team pavilions, as we, we call ourselves. But it's very much sharing the successes, sharing the challenges. I'll be out on the floor an awful lot I don't like sitting behind the desk. And I'm surprised I'm not doing this podcast while I'm carrying the iPad round the mall, but I've decided to sit down for this one. <laughs> but, you know, they're the sort of things. And it's leading by example. So I don't have a problem picking up litter off the ground, doing whatever, managing the traffic. And the team will appreciate that. They're not going to come over and thank me for doing it, but I don't expect that. But what they'll do is they can see that, you know what, I have no problem with doing it. And if I'm asking them to do it, it's not because it's something I would never do. So I think it's that. And the final thing is is having fun. Humour is important to me in the role because I think it does make the day-to-day. We spend so much time of our life in work that we should enjoy the job. I love coming in every day. I've been coming in here for 14 years now. And yes, there's days that are extremely challenging. But it's all about walking away saying, did I enjoy today? Yes, because you know what? If we do that, it makes the job a lot easier. And if the team are not always going to have great days and, you know, we have challenges, whether it's a fire alarm or something going wrong, traffic jams, we'll get through them. It's tough, but we can have a laugh about it afterwards. And, you know, we did this and it was brilliant. Oh, Ian, you were hilarious on the roundabout. Yeah, flapping arms, not really knowing which way to direct people. But, you know, that's what I think it's about. You know, we've, we've had successes. We've got a few souvenirs of trophy and awards. And they're important because that thing, getting recognition, not for me, but for the team and pavilions. And it's putting pavilions on the map, whether that's in sector awards, which are 
the Shopping Centre Industry Awards that are based out of the UK. And we've, we've won a couple of big awards through that over the years. And that's recognition for the work that the guys do, not because it's Ian Hunter and I've applied. It's actually because this is what the team have actually delivered. And it's a team effort. And that's important. And it just goes to show as well when you, well, first of all, you go to the trouble of applying for something like that. So understanding the importance of appreciation, but for the guys to see that come back, that that's the value of their hard work and it's being recognised at a national level, if not an international level at that point when it's coming from the UK, that means something. And even for building their CVs and their everyday experience, it adds to it as well. So brilliant advice, Ian. And I think any business who's listening in who, you know, overall, we've talked about the staff morale piece, that in particular, I think will really help them just to understand the sense with which you can move a business forward and make sure that everyone is sharing the business or sharing the vision of the business as well. And if that means picking up a bit of litter, then so be it. Yeah, absolutely. Never, never ask anyone to do something you wouldn't do yourself. So my final question in your career, Ian, if you were to start out again, those 14 years ago, we'll say, <laughs> plus a few, if you were to start out again, what would you do differently? This is the only one I've actually got nothing written against to answer. It's a very difficult question. You know, did I see myself doing this job when I left college? No, I didn't. Do I love my job? Yes, I do. I think, you know, at times I've worked with some very good people who have learned lessons from. And I think it's not so much would I do anything different. I think I would have maybe travelled a bit more, but it, the opportunities weren't necessarily there as I think they are these days to do that. And I think it's just a case of it's absorbing as much as you can during your career, especially the early years when you might find it's tough. You might also be working for companies where education is not at the fore and um, we'll do a lot of courses but it's that education of working life rather than just life where you're learning on the job and then the one thing that I always found when I did my career move from working in retail to moving to the shopping centre probably the biggest thing I think when I look at jobs nowadays you know I want a degree for this and you need to have x number of years experience and I, I think that can at some point be quite restrictive in the individual you're going to get. Because I think from my point of view, what I think was very clear is I was underselling myself to myself. I didn't have this or I don't have a degree and I don't have this, you know, and that's the important bit. Have a belief in what you do. And I think that's the one thing out of getting a job and, and seeing how I've got on here and the feedback that I get from the landlords of the centre, you know, positive feedbacks you know you, you can do it and I think I don't have a degree I'm happy to say that I don't have a degree but you can achieve an awful lot and that's not to say that someone with a degree wouldn't achieve as much because that's not right but I think it's about it's looking at that person and I look at myself and think I've got so much to give to the company and it's my self-belief and self-confidence in what I can do that is the key thing but that's all because that was built up over a number of years through Marks and Spencers and the training that I received in there and the individuals who I've worked with, some of which are very senior in MS, some have gone on to careers across the world. There's one that actually works in, I think, with Disney now, who was very early on and he was a nutcase of a manager, but I learned so much from him. He's in a very, very senior role in an American business now, I think it is with Disney. 
So, you know, there's so much you learn from those individuals. And it's about taking the, those little nuggets and putting them somewhere because at some point in time, you're going to need one of them. And that's it. And it's not, and it's even the worst people you've dealt with. And I, I have to say, I, I've dealt with some classic managers in my day, you know, who it's about even just learning how to deal with a very tough customer have, could have come from a horrible manager you've dealt with in the past and how you learn coping skills around that, that you can twist that into. So I don't think I would do anything differently. Maybe a lottery man might earlier in my career might have been useful. But, you know, outside of that, I am where I am and I've done what I've done. And, you know, and am I happy in the role I'm doing? Absolutely. I love it. And that's the bit for me. If I don't love it, then I probably needed to do something differently. And that's it. And I'm not, it's, it's a hard question. To me, it's, it goes back to listening, absorbing, engaging, and all of those things. And then how do you regurgitate that as your role and you move on in your career as well? Brilliant answer, Ian. For one that wasn't prepared, brilliant answer. And I have to say, to me, it just sounds like you have used, you recognised your strengths earlier on. You're clearly a people person, you're a problem solver, you get things done. And it's bringing all that together and recognising that as well. And for any business owner, I think listening in today, that's just so important for them to recognise. It's your strengths that will bring you through. It's not the degree in college. Yes, you will learn various things, but there's nothing like on the job learning, education and listening to people as you have said. You're never too old to learn. And I think that's the other thing I would always say. We don't know it all. And I'm happy to admit I don't know everything. And it's the strangest people that give you education. Yeah, yes, you get the education where you least expect it. Absolutely. <laughs> so true. And I've also heard that by when you're learning new things all the time, it actually makes you younger in the long run in terms of brain health and all of that. So good advice, business advice and health advice, Ian. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Ian. In general, I have to say an enlightening conversation. It was great to get into the conversation of retail because it is such a part of our lives. As I said, I went back for the first time last week and I can't wait to jump back in again and just experience the buzz of the shopping centre and life and customer experience and service as it should be experienced. So Ian Hunter in the Pavilions, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sharon. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode brought to you by Local Enterprise Office Fingal. For more information and to keep up to date with our services, check out www.localenterprise.ie forward slash Fingal and sign up to our newsletter. 